Welcome to Good Old Fashioned Theology. This is the show where we drink old fashions and talk theology. Uh, I'm Father Stoli, and with me, as always, is Lance. Uh, but we do have a special guest this evening. Uh, we've got Deacon Dad, Deacon Steve Lucas, uh, who is Dr. Lance's dad, uh, and obviously a deacon, hence... Been my whole life. Deacon's... <laughs> Last I checked, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so right. <laughs> Steve, it's great to have you on the show. Um, would you mind, uh, is it, would you mind leading us into prayer this evening? Absolutely. Be a, be a pleasure. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Dear good and gracious God, loving God, we, we thank you and we praise you. We ask uh, for you to enliven the Holy Spirit within us here during this time together and that, uh, all direction that uh, we take this conversation with uh, with joy and fun that uh, totally be directed towards your glory Lord with uh, with all of our thoughts and with all of our words that uh, that we share here um, with each other and we thank you for the opportunity we thank you for the technology that allows us to be able to come together here in this time and we ask that uh, marriage marriage be um, especially blessed during this particular uh, podcast. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Amen. and Holy Spirit. Man, awesome. killed it. Nailed, nailed that <laughs> one like a split hog, Dad. <laughs> uh, professional, maybe we should just have you on more often to do the prayer. Yeah. I, 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 I think you guys, I think you guys do quite well. <laughs> We will Venmo you your payment for saying that. Uh, we're <laughs> the twenty bucks per compliment is going to get expensive. I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is kind of a unique uh, experience. Uh, as those who are listening probably know that it usually ends up being, uh, you know, Father Stoli gets interrogated and kind of <laughs> answers some questions. But the tables have turned, Lance. Yes, they have. Yeah. <laughs> Put me on the spot tonight. I will put you on the spot. Both In fact, uh, I think our first, uh, the first thing I want you to tell me, Lance, are the, the sacraments in order. See if you can redeem yourself. <laughs> In order, yeah. Let's see if I can redeem myself. All right, so we got um, baptism. We have confirmation. We have the Eucharist. We have uh, anointing of the sick. I know it's not in order. Um, we, <laughs> we have... Why am I drawing a blank? Of course, matrimony. Yes. Oh, man, this is one. I just had it, too. Holy orders. Is there one more? What's he missing, Deacon? He it, Well, now all of a sudden, I'm, Re I'm oh, confession. Confession, confession, reconciliation. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. I, was trying to, I was trying to do the, yeah. At least you remembered yeah. matrimony this time, Lance. I got matrimony in there. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, so. Um, I could see it. I could picture it. You could picture the list. Yeah. Yeah, I can. I should have just scrolled up, but that would have been cheating. Oh, yeah. That absolutely would have been cheating. <laughs> and I'm Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, of course. So, well. so we're, um, we're kind of coming to the tail end of our, we're not coming to the tail end. We're at the tail end of our sacramental. Yeah. Oh, this this is, is the seventh. This is the this is seventh and final one. Yeah, this is. Wow. Yeah, we decided to save the best wow. for last. There, throwing yeah. the throw the deacon yeah. in. <laughs> yeah. No, that's I, I'm excited. Um, it's been a really good series. I've 
I'm, for me and myself, I've grown a lot. And as um, everyone else can speak for themselves, dad, you can speak for yourself too. But yeah, it's just been really good for me to go through. It's been kind of, it's been really fun to, to go through these. And it is kind of crazy that we're coming down to the end of it, um, to, the, to the last one, which has been, it's been really good. It I've been, been really enjoying good. it. And you've nuggets. You're... I've been I've been picking nuggets up, you know, as I <laughs> yeah. as I listen to these. As far as just little like, oh, I hadn't looked at it that way. That's a that's a good way to. I and, and don't ask me specifics on you know previous podcasts, but it, that's <laughs> definitely been the takeaway that I've had as far as like, huh, that's a that's a good piece of information to take with me. Yeah, you know, as I go into nice. you know go forward with my ministry. Yeah. And speaking of your ministry, it's great that you're joining us because I have you're going to provide a pretty unique insight to some of this, I think, because you're Definitely. you're married yourself as well as a deacon. So mm -hmm. you yeah. could get all seven sacraments. I a, An ordained deacon is uh, unique in that way that, yeah, to, to be able to to be able to receive those. There's extraordinary circumstances as far as for a priest to be able to have that take place as well. But that's there, true. It's, yeah. That's extraordinary, not ordinary. Mm hmm. Yeah. And we're kind of going, I have this list of questions and we're kind of going out of order a little bit, but <laughs> what happened there? Uh, so, um, so obviously you were married first. So tell us how you met your wife. Okay. All right. Melissa. Um, she yeah, that's was, name. so, um, <laughs> yeah, my mom, <laughs> we're from, we're from Ponca city, Oklahoma. And, uh, we went to high school together. I was two classes ahead of her. She, um, in a relatively large high school, we had 450 people ish. Um, but her class, my class each graduated about that much. She was in the class with my sister, with my younger sister, Stacy. And, um, when they graduated from high school, I was a, a junior in uh, college at Oklahoma state. And there was a group of those girls that came down to uh, Stillwater to hang out and we we ended up meeting together in a bar we knew each other to begin <laughs> with but uh yeah it was uh Desperados was the name of the bar and <laughs> what we, a great uh, name for a bar yeah yeah well and <laughs> um she was uh Melissa and her little group of friends there were trying to sneak into the bar without having to pay the cover charge. Oh. And they had, and they had made it through, and me and my buddies were already in there, having no idea that they were going to be showing up. And uh, anyway, she was worried that one of the bouncers was going to grab her, so she grabbed me and says, come on, let's get out on the dance floor. She was just, she was just running from the bouncer is all she was doing. And, uh, and you were like, years, I love this years, woman. Yeah, four years later, we were married. <laughs> Nice. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And how, how long have you been married now, Steve? 34 years this December. Nice. This, this coming December, it'll be 34 years. That was a trap question and you passed. Good job. Yeah. Nice. I thought, I thought about that before this podcast. <laughs> like, I bet I get asked you this. Well I read my math. <laughs> you're well prepared. Yeah. And so you're kind of in a unique situation, as you said, where you're married, but then you've also got this holy orders. Uh, how, what kind of, what did that kind of a discernment look like? Cause there's, that's not, I mean, it's more common than we think, I suppose, but, um, I'm in Nebraska, we have like two permanent deacons, mm -hmm. so we don't yeah. really see it a whole lot. So what is that kind of a, how, how, what happened there? What was that kind of a discernment? What did that look like? 
Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I, uh, I was not raised Catholic. I, uh, I came into the church in 2003, the same year that Lance received, um, First, first communion. First communion mm-hmm. um, I yeah. I ended up coming into the church. Melissa and I had been married for, I think it was we got married in nineteen eighty nine, and it was two thousand and three. So you know what? That's fourteen years we 14. had been married, and we dated for four years. So we had been together for eighteen years. Um, no pressure on her, or from her to me as far as becoming Catholic, but um, through a seeking of truth, is you know. Uh, is really where I ended up coming into the church. And um, so then from there, it just became um, this obsession, um, you know, as far as just to know more and more and more about about the faith. And um, we had a deacon, uh, still do, uh, Deacon Terry, uh, was uh, ordained eight years before, eight or nine years before me. And I, you know, was appreciative of, you know, of what he was doing, but didn't really have any concept of it at all, but just had kind of a curiosity, like, huh, I wonder what it'd be like to, you know, be a deacon, spent a lot of time, you know, studying scripture and and what have you, and would come to mass with a, you know, a perspective of what I, you know, was excited for to hear in a homily and, and what have you, and would imagine myself like, well, if I was to give a homily, what would that, you know, what would I talk about? you know, kind of deal. No, no passing judgment at all with right. anybody, but just the curiosity of it. And, um, the Bishop had decided that a new class was going to, it was time to start a new class. And he had talked to the priest and said, Hey, start, you know, putting the nets out there for potential, you know, new deacons. And, uh, ironically enough in the confessional, um, I, <laughs> after my confession, <laughs> <laughs> my priest, Father Kadera, said, "Hey, you ever consider being a deacon?" And my, like, did you not just hear what I said? <laughs> like, That's exactly why we want you. <laughs> <laughs> so like, this is ridiculous. There's no way I should. Um, I said, but honestly, so you got blackmailed. Is what happened. <laughs> I got. I'm kind of, yeah, well, I was curious and um, went to the first class, or actually, just the uh, public. Um, meeting you know for anybody that was curious about it and mm. um, heard more about it and thought oh this might be something i would be interested in and i went ahead and filled out the application and got accepted and went through five wow. and a half almost six years of formation really from yeah. starting with the application process and everything yeah it can be quite the that could be quite the haul oh boy yeah, yeah. it was is yeah so Dad, with with your uh, whole formation process and saying it was you know about five and a half six years with the, from the application to the end of ordination, um, if I'm not mistaken, one of those years or at least it was like the first year was mainly kind of still a discernment year. Call it aspirancy, um, aspirancy. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, aspire. And what was that? What did that year? Uh, okay, just kind of consist of. I mean, it was still classes and stuff, right? But yeah. kind of talk about that and then that led into your four years of actual formation? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, okay. that's, that's true. So aspirancy was, we started out, I think there was, oh my, I don't know. There was 50, 60 uh, guys that had filled out applications. And then there was 16 that got um, accepted into the aspirancy program. And we ended up ordaining uh, six 
is, hmm. is where it you know finally ended gotcha. up going to. But starting out with the 16, uh, we would meet once a month. We would travel to Casper, and um, we would show up there on Friday evening and then leave Sunday late afternoon. And that 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 schedule stayed pretty much the same from beginning to end. It might have been a little bit different at the very beginning, um, but uh, there was a there was a slow introduction to uh, liturgy of the hours. They started, um, you know, bringing that in. It seemed like that was somewhere. Somebody would maybe be able to argue with me on this, but I think it was about halfway through. Aspirancy liturgy of the hours started getting introduced to us. Um, sure. Lecturers would come in and speak to us, and um, there started out with some relatively. Um, my, I'm going to say minor, not not overly challenging with the amount of reading that was required of us. But still, we had, you know, kind of a study and student kind of a um, environment there. Mm -hmm. And then I remember the first one as we were coming closer towards the end of that first year was um, John Paul II's uh, encyclical uh, Fides et Ratio. Oh, yeah. Classic. Uh, faith, faith and Reason. Yeah. And... You know, I think it was a 90, 100 page, somewhere between 90 and 100 pages. And I remember just how daunting that that encyclical seemed to be as far as just the <laughs> language that was in it and, and what have you. And our 16 dropped relatively quickly after that. Now looking back <laughs> on it, I realize Fides et Ratio is a, is a beautiful introduction one as far yeah. as just to kind of get your teeth you know, got on because uh, it it can get a little it can get a lot more in depth than than that. For the listener, yeah. Fides at Ratio is an encyclical. It's it's faith and reason. So basically, Beautiful. it's how you can have how faith and science are not opposed, but they're two halves of our own belief. I suppose you could say. So yeah, and um, I would I would say not even science, but just to just reason, just reason to, in general, you know, yeah. to to make something is this logical? You know, our faith. Our faith needs to be logical, you mm -hmm. know, and if it's if it's faith only, that's that's fundamentalism. Yeah. Um, you know, and extreme fundamentalism shows up with airplanes flying into buildings. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you have to have you have to have reason. It has to be logical. Faith as well. that, I was I JP was really, is Yeah. Beautiful. I was really pretty touched by the days at Ratsu when we had to read it because it almost encouraged you. To kind of not really doubt, but question your faith so question. that you just dove right into it. Because yeah. as you were saying, we don't want a blind faith. You, it's got to be right. reasonable. Because uh, mm -hmm. if you can reason through your faith, it can go into your heart and something you truly... Yeah. Which yeah, allows believe. science then to 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 run. You yeah. can, you know, with, with that, it's, you know, science falls under the umbrella of God. You know, and, I mean, he, he created it, you know, and so we should be able to go and learn everything out of science and, um, you know, take advantage of, you know, the gifts that God has, you know, God's given us. And that's reasonable. That's yeah. logical that it should be able to be part of, um, you know, part of, or, or allowed to be, um, you know, uh, walk along with our faith. Yeah, science and faith should not uh, oppose each other. Yeah. It's really is a beautiful document. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Well, thanks for telling us about your discernment there, Deacon. I'm sure we'll get back to it in another way. Um, let's uh, let's backpedal just a tad and uh, 
<laughs> Let's talk about our, I suppose we'll call them the saints of the pod. Um, two of them are saints and one of them is Jesus. So uh, right. the Holy Family. <laughs> uh, Lance, tell us a little bit about the Holy Family and why they might be the saints of the pod. Why they might be important yeah, for us. I don't know uh, anything about that's them, a good one. so I need you to tell me all about no, them. No, <laughs> of course not. After months of intense studying and preparation, Dr. Lance Lucas will take perhaps the most important test in his 21 years of schooling. Let's see if this smart cookie is what it takes to continue being your host on. The one. The only. Good old-fashioned theology podcast. So the Holy Family consists of uh, Mother Mary and St. Joseph and their son, Jesus, Jesus Christ, um, who is also God. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, no, it, it, they're just um, why we made him. The, it's pretty obvious why we made him the saint of the pod. Um, as we're talking about marriage, they are the great earthly example that we can Kungal go to um, as a marriage couple. Um, their marriage is a little bit unique yeah. um, with um, <laughs> Mary being a virgin and having Jesus um, not to a traditional way, I guess you could put it we'll that way. We'll say a natural way. We'll say natural way. Yeah. Right, a natural way. There we go. There we go. Um, but yeah, and then St. Joseph too. He's, um, I think we might have had him actually as a saint of the pod. We did. Another, and, uh, I think one. in Lent we had him. I think, yeah, I think you're right. But, you know, again, just... Um, how St. Joseph lived out his role as a husband um, and, and as a father too, but as, as a husband to Mary, um, being obedient to um, his father um, and being obedient to his wife and um, being a servant to, to her. And that's, I don't know, I don't really know what else to say besides, um, yeah, they're, they're our saints of our pod because they are the example for a marriage that we are called to live to or live by um, as an earthly example, I guess, or a really good one to live yeah, by. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And, uh, you know, it's, they almost make it seem that marriage is kind of like, I don't want to say the source and summit of the vocation sacraments, right? But it does, it's vitally yeah. important marriages. Uh, so mm -hmm. what yeah. makes the image of marriage so, uh, so beautiful? What, what's, what is it about marriage that makes it, uh, just that high but that the holy family would need to be that image i guess what is there about marriage yeah yeah that's a good question so i think um the simple way is that marriage is is the example of the holy trinity mm. um it's just kind of like and that's i guess maybe my my perspective but um yeah it, the marriage is supposed to represent the holy trinity the father's love for the son, the son's love for the father, creating the Holy Spirit. And through marriage, as man loves a woman and a woman loves a man, um, their offspring, their children, is that gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I think that's probably why it gets brought up or put up at the top kind of deal. And at the same time, it's it's also like the very first thing we hear, one of the very first things we hear in the Bible when we're talking mm -hmm. about Adam and Eve um, it's the most common read reading during during weddings is yeah. <laughs> the creation of you know how God created man and then man needed someone else and nothing else satisfied him so God gave him a woman and between that they you know they were one um, they became one flesh 
And that's exactly what the Holy Trinity is too. That's exactly what God, Father, and Son is. is they're one flesh. They're one being. Um, so I think that's that's my my perspective on that of why I think marriage is, seems to be the the most common, most well-known mm-hmm. sacrament. I you guess. know, um, that's also the church's perspective. So good job. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, the father loves the son with his whole entire being. And the son, realizing that he can't love more than 100% as the father has, he just returns that same love. And that love is so strong that it is mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit. So when you look at marriage, that's exactly what we're supposed to see. The, it's a 100-100 thing. So a husband, 100% yeah. of the wife, wife, 100% to the husband. And that love is their children. You know, so it's that's really pretty beautiful. And we often talk about a vocation crisis with the priesthood, how there aren't enough mm. priests, how there aren't enough deacons, how there aren't enough people discerning any of that. But honestly, yeah. the reason that's a crisis is because there's a marriage crisis. We can't have mm-hmm. good priests mm. without good families. And yeah. uh, it's absolutely essential that we have these good holy marriages that understand that it's a 100 100 thing not 50 50 not 75 25 that it is right. this 100 100 and that it is this trinitarian union between a man and a woman and their children so thank you Definitely. to both of you for your example um you have not convinced me that thank i you. need to be married uh, but that's uh, <laughs> but that is okay i'm happy where i am at <laughs> yeah uh, but do you have any do you have any other insight there deacon steve about yeah anything with this uh this kind of this trinitarian image of marriage yeah no i, I very much appreciate that you know as far as the you know you said it father son you know um, the love between them the holy spirit is the um you know is the offspring if you will of mm. you know that um, that love between them and so that's what then uh, the kids are, you know, so what Lance and Audrey are for, you know, Melissa and I, and, uh, you know, Max and Josie are for Paige and Paige and Lance. Um, what I'm, what, what I was thinking of as far as Lance went, you know, to Genesis first, uh, two chapters there of Genesis, as far as talking about, you know, God made woman. Um, and one of the significant things for me is, is that in the third chapter of Genesis mm. brings in the attack from, the you know from the devil and the place that the devil attacks is marriage and so um you know creating that sense of doubt between uh, eve and um adam and uh it's it's to me it's no wonder it's to be only expected that this uh this institution this creation that god has given mm-hmm. us as his means of um you know, appropriating um, the planet, um, inhabiting the planet with his image as us, that that would be the very place that the devil would come in and create the the first attack. And, you know, the marriage uh, Mm. unit, the husband and wife are as much under attack, you know, even what, um, you know, a true marriage actually looks like um, between a man and a woman is, uh, you know, very much um, and it is it is doubt. interesting that as you say that it is it strikes me you know it's interesting that the first attack on the devil by the devil is on the family and then mm-hmm. we have our lady of fatima mm-hmm. who says that the final attack by the devil will be on the family 
No, really. Yeah. So we've got this like that. we've got this like bookended thing. Like his his yeah. his last greatest attack is going to be on the family. Uh, yeah, so right. it's just like his first greatest attack. Yeah. So it stands to reason that you know like that there's something about the family because it's trinitarian. There's something about the family yeah. that is just so it's pivotal for society is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's the yeah. it's referred to as the domestic church. Yeah, yeah, and the, think, the nuclear society it just goes out the domestic church exactly as mm-hmm. you said. Yeah, I think it's also you know as Mary is um, the um, the she's the opposite of Eve. She brings you know, she she undoes what what Eve had knotted up. Mary unknots, and yeah. Um, yeah. Eve is Eve is attacked by um, the devil between as far as creating that separation between Eve and Adam and God uses Mary and then her relationship with Joseph in that institution of that marriage between them to bring his saving remedy for the fall of Adam and Eve you know as far as Jesus comes in and so it's again it, he's restoring God is restoring through Jesus Joseph and Mary the family, the family unit. Yeah, and that's a I you, yeah you make a beautiful point with all that, uh, especially that whole typology thing with Adam mm-hmm. with um, Adam and Eve, and then Jesus and Mary. You know, Eve in Hebrew right. means life, so mm-hmm. Eve is the mother of life because she's the mother of all the living. Her name means life. And then you have Mary, who's supposed to be this kind of this mirror, I suppose. This uh, Eve is kind of the Bizarro to Mary's Superman. <laughs> You know, so yeah. <laughs> it's uh, um, so Mary, even though her name does not mean life, she is the mother of life, you know, who, because Jesus mm-hmm. is the way, the truth and the life. life. So that's uh, I'm that I, you know, I think you make a beautiful connection there. I mean, it's one that the church fathers have awful made, but uh, hearing it kind of in that way is really kind of a. It's, yeah. uh, it's it to me it elevates it. it it's you know it's it, it just it's another um, validation if you will of why is why why is the sacrament of marriage you know held up so highly I'm uh, I'll, I'll pause always if you know anything comes across to suggest that something is higher than the Eucharist itself that's gonna, right you know for me that's gonna but um, marriage is the one that uh, will will sit right there um, you. That, right below. Yeah, right below, I guess, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, yeah. You know, b- yeah. below the Eucharist. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Eucharist because marriage, we say it's Trinitarian, but it's also Eucharistic. Um, because mm-hmm. the Eucharist, if you think about it, is the marriage act between Christ and his church where he gives himself completely over. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there was a story, I don't know if it's a true story or not, but it was just a nice little anecdote. Um, this man, uh, he he got married and he and his wife, we all know what happens on the the, the wedding night, you know, so... They uh, they go off to get married. They have their wedding night. And then the next morning he was at mass and he received communion and just wept because he suddenly understood what the Eucharist uh, was because I've, of his I've, uh, because of his I marriage. I think you've mentioned this before. Have I? I think I've heard this from you. I think you have. Oh, yeah. I've heard this from you. Oh, dang. Yeah. I'm good at this. It's a beautiful story. <laughs> say it again. It's a beautiful yeah, story. I'll probably say it again in about six other podcasts. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you probably will. What? What? But it just goes to show, too, you know, that that Eucharistic part throughout the marriage mm-hmm. and the total self-gift that we are called to 
to give our spouse. Um, and that's exactly what Jesus does. And yeah, when we receive the Eucharist, that is us receiving Jesus, Jesus's full self, his true love, his full love to us as we are supposed to, and we are called to give, give our spouse. Mm-hmm. Well, and we, we receive that when, when we process, um, it's, a good way to look at it as the bride we are the bride um coming up to the groom yeah you know in that right. in, in that um that you know as we go up to receive you know christ in the eucharist as we, yeah we go to uh, and through the eucharistic line yeah i know exactly what the another point i wanted to make and father stoli all i'm doing is going off of your homily at lance and pages um, that is, is, oh is no! What I'm doing here. <laughs> um, the sacrifice. I think the the sacrifice of marriage is why marriage gets held up so highly because the sac the you know the Eucharist is it is this complete just that whole process yeah. of um, the, the Eucharistic portion of the Mass is uh, a, a remembering remembering of. The passion, the sacrifice that you know that Christ has for us, and that call of um, married couples to be a sacrifice for the other. And in your homily, you you talked about it. I love the way you said it because it was just so matter of fact. As far as like, they're supposed to die. These yeah. this this couple, Lance is supposed to die, and Paige is to, supposed to die. They came here to die. <laughs> I just I just loved it. It was like. That's right. Die to yourself. You know, that complete 100% sacrifice. And, Full uh, disclosure, and the only it. part I remember from the homily is accidentally saying pants and lage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> I actually forgot about I forgot about that. Everything <laughs> else, I'm sure it was wise, but I don't remember anything <laughs> else. Oh, I, did, I mean, what are we at? Five years later, and I'm remembering that, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Did you take notes? I stuck with you. Probably. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> But I got a recording of it, so oh, I can listen right. to it whenever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna go look. You're gonna go listen to that recording here pretty soon. I, I have a feeling. Die. That's right. That's die. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's. I mean, it's true. We're a reg- we're a resurrection people, right? And so, if the two are going to become one, that means in some way, their individuality has to die, so that they can become mm-hmm. that one unit. Okay. So, uh, dang, I'm just I'm good. That's all I can really say. Yeah, you I'm do. Good. You... <laughs> <laughs> it's. The Holy Spirit works well through you. Let's, let's go there. <laughs> it was all me. It was all me. Okay. Was, yeah. uh, uh. That's not true. I do not want to get struck down. It's uh, yeah. I pro tip for our good and holy deacon. Uh, before each and every homily, quick little Holy Spirit, help me out prayer. That'll really mm. that'll open yeah. up a lot of hearts. Well, you know, as uh, as a deacon. You get to stand in front of the priest, and he gives you the blessing. Oh, yeah. And uh, I kind of miss that. Yeah, and um, that uh, mm, there's your prayer. Yeah. You know, and then you know you you turn and you um, bow to the altar, and there's you know you don't move fast, you move slow. Yeah. Grab the book of the gospel, and so you've got time there to go. Come, Holy Spirit, help me out. Help me out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's beautiful. So we already talked about Genesis a little bit. Um, let's go through a little bit more about the history of of marriage. You know, especially as we see it through Scripture, and uh, well, really, especially during the old te- the New Testament. 
But we started with Genesis mm-hmm. and we see how it it was kind of more of a natural marriage, I guess. There wasn't really anyone else they could be married to, right? So right. <laughs> uh, they get married. God blesses that union. God blesses that marriage. And then we see it kind of move throughout scripture uh, and just history in general. Um, what what do we see kind of in that biblical timeline? What's going on here? Uh, let's start with Lance just to see what you got going Oof. on. Let's see what uh, our competitor has given me. Deacon Steve has a, <laughs> he's got an edge up on you. No, I don't. I'm lost. I don't know what your question is. Oh, crap. What are you asking? <laughs> I think, so, I think his question is, yeah, maybe you, you asked Let's it. try it you again because it. I was probably just, I probably went off on, a, like, into another universe <laughs> for a second. So we talked about Genesis and how that's the origin that we see of marriage. Oh, so okay. now what's, uh, what do we see with regard to the sacrament? What's the history of it coming up to its sacramental nature? Okay. Uh, kind of its history of, of coming. Where do you find, where do you find the sacrament in, of marriage in scripture? Sure. We'll go with that. Is that, is that essentially what you're saying? Yeah. That's a huge chunk of it. That's about 75% of my question. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. You're going to have to help me. (laughs) I'm going to, I've got some spots, but uh, I've got some spots that I can jump on. But Lance, Lance, you run, you run for a little while here. I'm not very good yeah, at this, guys. I'm sorry. How... I'm used to answering questions, not interrogating. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm and I'm used to asking the questions. Um, you know, I think from what I've seen, um, as I've kind of gone through the Old Testament, working into the New Testament, marriage is. Um, I don't know how to like explain it from the. There's there's true love through that, but I think it's more of a familial thing. It's a to keep inheritance throughout the land kind of deal. Um, I guess maybe a good place to start too is starting with Abraham mm. um, and Sarah going into, you know, Isaac and Jacob and, and leading into the Holy family. And um, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I'm obviously I'm going through the new t- or the old Testament That's right okay. now with, do what you gotta uh, do, Lance. with our competitor. I know, I know, but um, I guess we don't, really see until we get to the new testament or i can't really like think of how it really shapes and changes this is where you guys can fill in the gaps for me um mm. but we see i'm i guess i think of mary and joseph sure. and that whole marriage um i think that's a pretty prominent marriage that we see um that takes place and gives us a little bit of a picture of what marriage looks like at the time of jesus mm-hmm. um and w- what that is is the whole betrothed time period where um, the man and woman decide that they're going to marry each other, whether that's through the families deciding for them, that's themselves deciding. Um, I, I don't really know, honestly. Um, <laughs> that's okay. That's, this, this isn't know, a, they, they spend that year. You're not going to lose money on this question. It's. <laughs> I'm getting quiz and I got a lot of pressure right now. Okay. <laughs> Having to take an exam and I don't know how long now. <laughs> Deacon Steve, you got um, some stuff lined up. You said. Well, no, I, I I don't. I'm sitting here just going through, and I appreciate Lance's you know point as far as like bringing in um, Abram and um, uh, Sarah. I said you know Abraham and Sarah, and uh, and Isaac, and you know God, you know God speaking to them in a um, like. This is the, the this is all part of my plan, sure. um, you know, and and so your relationship 
and the production of offspring, I am, I'm, in, I'm involved with that. So I think, you know, you see kind of the rudimentary, the fundamental, um, you know, core of it. I think there's a lot of, you know, through the Old Testament, which you would, I think, be better versed at explaining, you know, like um, polygamy, you know, multiple mm-hmm. marriages as far as how that was, you know, acceptable. And then eventually it became where it was not. Um, you know, and the rationalizing how come that would be and, and what have you. But, um, you know, to go further with it, you, you've got um, multiple, multiple marriages that, you know, are all through the Old Testament that are significant, you know, yeah. parts of uh, God's salvation, you know, plan plan for salvation. And then I had, the first one I was thinking of as Lance was talking along there, not necessarily so much as far as following along with, um, you know, salvation history and, and where marriage fit into all of that, but from the book of Tobit and oh, yeah. the, you know, and how that gets yeah. used in, um, as a reading oftentimes in uh, Catholic marriages and, um, yep. you know, the, um, uh, to- Tobit and, um, what was his wife's, what was the, what was the wife's not telling Oh, um, um, I think it was, wasn't it Sarah? I think it was Sarah, wasn't it? Was it Sarah? It might have been Sarah. Sarah. So it might have been. I'll look it up. Yeah, okay. if you can look at it. I'm almost wanting to say it was even uh, like Rachel. But anyway, that she had been married for seven times and they had all, and yeah. all of her husbands had died or whatever. And that's, to me, it's just such a beautiful, um, you know, reading during a marriage. Oh, yeah. It's a wonderful um, reading. As far as being able, and that's an Old Testament. Um, but then you end up, you know, moving on into the New Testament and then particular well for one jesus you know sermon on the mountain speaks about um how you know divorce was okay and now yes. it's not you know he's in he's enhanced he's enhanced everything as far as like it's held up even to a higher standard but then you know his uh, presence at um the wedding at uh, canaan and you know being part of you know god being present during that whole celebration and and what have you. there's a lot of things moving with that as sure. far as the the water and the wine and you know and, and what have and all that yeah it's it's centered around a, a you know a marriage feast it is and uh yeah so um did you just you just gasped lance did you find it no i think it's it's either anna or sarah i'm, I'm gonna google this okay too, okay because <laughs> i don't want to take too okay. much time but I do have a I do have a point too with with all of this and kind of where I was going too with it was um, looking at the the Holy Family you know with Isaac Abraham Jacob throughout the Old Testament what you find is when when the Israelites are are faithful to God they are blessed and why I mention that is because the Israelites are the Holy Family and we're talking about the Holy Family we're talking about marriage and and through that as they continue to stay within the holy family of you know their their bloodlines mm-hmm. um and they stay true to god they continue to get blessed it's when they fall away from god is when they end up um falling to other kings you know they they fall to the babylonians and the persians and um the romans and stuff and it's during that time that um they they lose that connection almost with god kind of deal um and it's it's an exile and it's a, it's a growth period for them but in the family as we stay unified um you know with each other and with god our marriage continues to be blessed mm-hmm. and and i guess that's 
what I look at the Old Testament or I see mm-hmm. as a kind of a big picture with the Old Testament throughout it as once as you stay you know true to God, faithful to God, keep him at center, you continue to be blessed especially in your marriage and we see that with the Israelites and the Holy Family that God has truly blessed. Mm-hmm. I'm about to blow your guys' minds, I think. So we're dancing around this one central point, um, but I think it's time to mention it. So marriage yeah, itself is a is a covenant. Like that's the biggest uh, thing. Mm. So it's a covenant. Dad, so, Dom, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank yes, you, Deacon. So a covenant oh, by definition is a promise that's so strong that it makes a family, like it creates a family unit. Yeah. So the way that yeah. they would do covenants, if you look at the Old Testament, they would cut these animals in half split the halves and then what would happen is in a covenant it wasn't make a covenant in hebrew it's you cut a covenant because you cut these Mm. animals in half and then you spread the halves and then you make this promise and uh, whatever promise it's going to be and then you walk through the entrails so after Mm. walking through those entrails the idea is whatever if i break the promise do to me what we did to these animals right so a covenant Mm. can only end in death whether naturally or by murder, right? So a marriage is a covenant. It's a it's a promise yeah. that establishes a family and it only ends Good in job. death, whether yep. by natural death or if Paige kills Lance, right? Which is entirely <laughs> possible. <laughs> that is definitely possible. <laughs> but so it's this covenant. And so a covenant always requires bloodshed, right? That's why they cut these animals in half. Mm. And it was always done before a deity, or a deity. I should say deity because I think that's what it's supposed to be. Anyway, before a god, right? So yeah. the before the god piece is obvious, right? So if you look in the Old Testament, if you look in the at the Holy Family, it's always done in the synagogue or the or some sort of religious setting. The bloodshed is less right. obvious, but that's the sexual act, right? So the marital act, mm-hmm. the night of the wedding night, the first thing that happens is bloodshed. So you don't kill these animals. Yeah. You have intercourse. Right. And so mm. if you don't know your biology, <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a uh, yeah. there's a membrane that breaks. Right. Yeah. So this got real awkward real right. fast. But just know that there's bloodshed yeah. with yeah. it. No. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a covenant. So the covenant. So in the church, if you look at church law, the marriage is not sacramental until consummation happens. Rodham at consummatum. Mm-hmm. It's ratified. Yeah. It's real. And it's sacramentalized when the covenant is sealed with the marriage act. It's beautiful that's why the sexual act is so guarded it's gorgeous right because if you have all these different uh if you have all these different sexual partners before marriage you didn't just have sexual partners you have like all these failed marriages so if your Mm -hmm. body count Mm -hmm. if you want to call it that is you know seven yeah that's not seven sexual partners that's seven failed marriages right Mm -hmm. you tried to contract them and you screwed it up because there wasn't anything else around it Right. It was based in lust, which leads me to my second point, that Tobit reading. I love that Tobit reading. And uh, the reason why is because of the of the general context. So, as you mentioned, all of hers, all of her seven husbands died. But the reason they died is because Asmodeus kills them. Right. Asmodeus is the uh, Hmm. is the demon of lust. So what you can imagine is that their marriages were not based in love. Right. Because what it tells you is that every time they came together after the marriage, they died. (laughs) So it was before the marriage could be consummated that they died, meaning 
that uh, you can imagine that their marriage was not based in love, was not based in God. It was based in lust, right? Mm -hmm. So then you get to Tobit, uh, or you get to, uh, is it to Tobit or Tobias that marries her? It's one of those. Tobias. Tobias. Thank you, Deacon. Tobias. Yeah. So Tobias, Tobit was his dad. That's, yeah. There we go. Thanks, man. Yeah. So Tobias. Yeah, he had the bad to, eyes. He needed a little bit of gall. Oh, that's right. Because a bird <laughs> pooped in Tobit's eyes. Yep. And yeah. so, <laughs> so Tobias goes to marry this woman. And the first thing they do is pray. So now we have a marriage that's based in God, right? So mm. we have this beautiful covenant that's formed. And it's formed not in lust. You know, the, the sexual act is kind of the the pinnacle, I guess, but only because it seals the covenant. Yeah. Right? Only because it sacramentalizes it. And so when we talk about a biblical marriage, that's what we're talking about. Um, yeah. You know, we have a lot of people that bring up the multiple wives, the concubines, and things like that. But it's interesting. Yeah. Um, that's not, that's even though that's in the Bible, we don't really consider that biblical marriage because the only one that the Lord said, do this, is between one man, one woman, right? So all these mm -hmm. other marriages where he had, you know, 700 wives like Solomon did and 400 right. concubines, <laughs> God didn't tell him to do that. He did that, mm -hmm. right? But the right. only one where the Lord said, go get married was one man, one woman. One woman. So then that covenant gotcha. is formed and those covenants are meant to give life just as the Trinity does. Yeah. So use those for your homilies there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's nailed it. No, I, I, yeah, the covenant it's, was uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, a covenant has to be uh, at the you know at the center of it, and and to be able to have that concept of what actually a covenant is. This isn't just some kind of a legal binding mm -hmm. contract that you know an attorney got involved with, and I signed here and you signed there, and there you go. You yeah. Know, um, good. Good. Only as the ink on the paper is versus. You know, I think it's in Genesis 15 that um, that image of the 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 pot with the amber in it coming down through that dark that dark valley and um, the and, and the valley being filled with blood. And I think of that with um, during that point in the mass when um, and Father, you'll have to help me a little bit with the with the right terms. But that moment in the mass when, as a deacon, I'm usually heading over to the tabernacle and we're um, getting. Um, to, to bring the, bring the consecrated host from the tabernacle out and then the priest will actually break the host yeah and and then and, and so that breaking of the host is jesus he is like you guys made a covenant with me but i will break i i will split myself in two i will take the place of what you you know your sins you should be the one that is split yeah but I will step in place for you and, and do that. And then holds that split body of Christ above the chalice of blood. Yeah. Which just brings that whole, that whole covenant. It's a very, very humbling moment for me, but that's what, that's what that relationship with your wife is supposed to be. Yes. Beautifully said. Even yeah. when she, even when Melissa is wrong, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, that's beautifully said, you know. Um, that's why we call him a redeemer, because a redeemer is just a substitute. That's why you can redeem coupons, right? Because coupons, re they substitute mm -hmm. your money. So that he's this redeeming sacrifice, 
he's you're absolutely right i love i love that image of uh well and then we take and then we take him in and yeah. we are supposed to but in no more so than in the marriage yeah it's yeah that's it's a, incredible that's the highest degree of yeah i love seeing the marriages happening because a lot of times when we go through marriage prep it's the idea that a lot of people have is you're being prepared for the wedding day but no that's that's only one day <laughs> You know, that's right. only one day. We're preparing you for everything that happens after that. A lifetime after. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So if it's supposed to go till death, we want to prepare you for the till death piece. I don't care what dress you're wearing. What are you going to do after you guys get married? <laughs> yeah, your tux had a hole in the sleeve. I don't care. Was it a valid marriage? You know, are you married? Mm-hmm. Are you going on? Right? Right. So uh, what's up, Lance? Plus, so I got a question for you. I, Got so you, you you mentioned yeah now I finally I'm back in my <laughs> my roots I feel comfortable again. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned um, how a marriage is actually valid mm-hmm. and is consume or to consummation um, through intercourse. A very big question that gets asked is how is that possible with the Holy Family with Mary mm-hmm. being a virgin um, and them never consummating their marriage so there's there's valid and then there's sacramental right so um it becomes sacramental with the marital act but it's a valid marriage regardless right because what makes a marriage valid is one man one woman and their vows before god and his representative plus two witnesses right so that's called canonical form so okay um as long as they make those vows it's uh it's considered a valid marriage now a valid marriage can be dissolved if for example if uh if it's uh if there's no consummation like they decided they want to live a celibate marriage um there are some saints Mm -hmm. who have done that or have attempted it at least uh Mm -hmm. until like a spiritual director said yeah don't do that like uh saint Teresa of Lisieux, (laughs) her parents wanted to live a celibate marriage um but Mm. then their spiritual director was like why so then they had you know five daughters one of whom is therese of Lisieux, right so um just because it's a celibate marriage doesn't mean it's invalid um but what it does mean is that it hasn't been consummated which then means that if they don't consummate it and they decide this was a bad idea and they split that marriage can be dissolved because it was never it was the contract was never signed effectively gotcha right Mm -hmm. so like the covenant the covenant was never fully correct made. yeah 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 okay. so it's not invalid but it also was just never sealed like they've they Got said because the vows are this is the covenant we want to establish and then they establish it with consummation right gotcha. so okay um that's what makes it kind of sacramentalized i don't have my code of canon law on my person i should <laughs> it's okay. uh, but it's uh <laughs> but um yeah, that's what we call it. There's Rodum Tantum and then there's Rodum and Consumatum. So in the law, Rodum Tantum means that they they did they did the vows. So it's it's a valid marriage. Rodum okay. et Consumatum means that it's valid and sacramental. Right? And a sacrament is an ad, external term. sign of an inward reality, right? So right. the sacrament of marriage is yes, you get the grace, you get all that, but the the, the marriage itself is sacramental because it's an outward sign of this invisible reality with the gotcha. Trinity, Christ and his church, all of that. So if it's consummated, <clears throat> just like Christ consummated his marriage with the church on the cross, 
right. now we've got a sacramental marriage as opposed to just a simply valid union okay okay and that's how mary and joseph's marriage was valid is mm -hmm. valid and sacramental it was not sacramental mostly because no, the sacraments didn't exist at the time uh but okay. also it just it was just it was a valid marriage and it wasn't uncommon uh it wasn't super was common it but it wasn't uncommon either it was not unheard of for there's a lot of women that would vow to celibacy and then would end up marrying and they would marry too but mm -hmm. they would they would keep their mm -hmm. their vow of celibacy yeah. the main difference between them and then the holy family though is that um both Joseph and Mary had um, had promised celibacy, right? So it okay. wasn't so much that Joseph married her to protect her virginity, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes that that would happen with other virgins. They would get married to an older man, but chances are pretty high. They were actually relatively close in age. So we think of right. Joseph as an older man, but an older man doesn't mm -hmm. walk to Egypt, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, it's this... Uh, it's this idea that they're right around the same, uh, uh, they're close in age. He was a young, healthy man, yeah. yeah. So. Good looking. Yeah, you know. much like Father Stoli yeah. is, right? <laughs> right, So right, it's sure, this, yeah. uh, it was the idea that they were both vowing this, this life of celibacy, and they were living it together. So gotcha. that was kind of a main difference between Joseph and Mary versus all these other couples of uh, validly okay. married virgins to these men. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's a common question I get. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, you, you can have a Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Deacon Steve, have you done any weddings yet? Yeah, I've done a couple of them. I've done a few, actually. Three or, three or four. Three or four? Three. Yeah. Can you, can you take us through the ritual? Like, what does that look like? Mm. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> if you can. I know it's a, there's a lot that goes on, but... No, uh, I, I would have, I've got, I've got, I've got my book back there and I would probably have, no, I would not be able to just off the top of my head, be able to walk through it. <laughs> I would okay. have to, I would have to bring it out. And, um, there, there's a nuptial blessing at the, at the end. I mean, mm -hmm. there's certain pieces that I'm going to be able to kind of just blurp out of like, oh, there's this, there's that, uh, you know, what sure. have you. But, um, I, it's, it's actually, it's a relatively simple kind of to the point event it really is by it by and large um there just gets to be a lot of circumstance around it but it, right i the the thing that i've um, gained a greater appreciation for in my few that i've few that i've done is, yeah, is that mm -hmm. there there's just there's a pretty simple like okay we've got this and then we've got this and then you have this and then we have this blessing and then we bless the congregation and um, we go to the reception. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is that. Bada bing, bada boom. Bada -bing, bada -boom. Yeah, I mean, you could make you could make <laughs> sure. it. A, I mean, depending on, for a deacon. Yeah. Um, so if a deacon is if a deacon is gonna um, preside, it it basically has to be outside of mass. Right. For uh, if a, if it's within mass, it actually has to be. The and I can act as the witness during the mass. I can, you know, and I can mm -hmm. ask for the, you know, exchange of the vows. And yeah. I can do the blessing of the rings, and I can do. Um, eh, can I do a blessing of the? Can I do the nuptial blessing? Um, if a priest is present. No, the priest would do that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so, and, and the ones I've done have been outside of have been outside of Mass. Yeah, most of them probably would be. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, with three or four, three or four is not very many. You're still young in your <laughs> diaconate. Oh man, uh, it's yeah. uh, uh, how yeah. long have you been a deacon, Steve? Two years. Two years. Yeah, you're pretty young in your diaconate. Uh, give it time. <laughs> give it time. Uh, yeah, but I yeah, suppose uh, if you can't go through the right, which is which is fine. Uh, what were, what are the essential elements? Like what's necessary for that marriage to take place within the liturgical setting? Vows. They have to exchange. They have to exchange vows, and then you, and you said it a little while ago. As far as then, I act as the representative for mm-hmm. the for for the church. There has to be witnesses um, present. I think just two isn't it yeah just two at least yeah 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 just i mean as far as the minimum and then um i i I do nothing more than just act as a um like yeah um i saw this marriage take place yeah i vouch for it (laughs) um perfect that's all i want (laughs) and and it's it's the the rings the rings have nothing to do with it um you know there's that moment when they've exchanged their their vows there's that question there's that questioning ahead of time as far as right. preparing them for, are you prepared to answer these questions? Yeah. Um, which can come across as like, okay, did they just exchange their vows? Like, no, we just asked them if they were prepared to exchange their vows. Mm-hmm. And then you, okay, now we're going to ask you to exchange. And there's a couple of different formulas for being able to do that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically they make a, you know, verbal commitment um, to, you know, so... I yeah promise to a, be, you know promise to be faithful to you yeah and those vows so in law in the in canon law consent makes marriage consent is just another word for the vows that deacon steve was just talking about yeah. so um yeah you're absolutely right it's funny that we have all these this pomp and circumstance but the most the most essential element is like 37 seconds mm-hmm. where <laughs> the yeah. bride and the groom uh, just become vows or become I whispered vows. Into him, vows. It was like you guys, you guys are married now. You yeah. Ju- you just now got married. <laughs> yeah. Um, so sometimes I like to, after the exchange of vows, sometimes I like to say, all right, you guys can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just kind of stare at me like, I'm just kidding. Stay here. But you guys are married. Stay so good job. Here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, yeah, the, it's, it's amazing how simple the sacraments can be. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but That's as long right. as you mean the words that you're saying, you're in. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh it's beautiful. Yeah. So one of my favorite things that you did for our wedding was when we were doing the rehearsal and everything. You didn't say the vows during rehearsal, and you told us why. Because you're like, because if we say them, then you'd be married, and there'd be no point for tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and so. <laughs> yeah. What and uh, it's funny because now whenever Paige and I go to rehearsals and we hear them doing you know the vows and stuff. And the priest is saying him, and then they're like, and you guys say, and then they say, I do. Paige and I both look at each other. We're like, well, they're married. (laughs) (laughs) It also depends on intention, of course. But yeah. 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 (laughs) But it's just funny. I mean, I think even with that, though, I mean, if they're at the rehearsal, their intention is to say, I do. I mean, I guess it's intended to say, I do tomorrow. That would probably change the the meaning of it. But. It's just funny because Paige and I will give each other these looks of like, yep, it just happened. <laughs> <laughs> They're married. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. 
we haven't had the courage to tell anybody say hey just let you guys know you guys are already married like you guys just said mm -hmm. your <laughs> you just said your vows guys you're you're set i'm not coming tomorrow now i, I was here today <laughs> yep, let's just go to the reception now <laughs> right <laughs> sweet so we we asked deacon steve about kind of how he how he met melissa and what that kind of looked like We've talked about this a little bit before, Lance, but how about you take us through another recap of how you and Paige came to be? Ah, uh, ah, uh, mm -hmm. yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so Paige and I met when we were in um, an undergrad at Doan. We, let's see, I was a year ahead of her, and uh, we were in a, a leadership program. It's called the Handsome Leadership Program. I was actually a mentor for um, the class of that new next class, and. I was Paige's roommate, Ellen's, uh, Ellen Reimer's uh, mentor. I specifically chose her, had no clue that Paige was going to be her roommate. But what ended up happening is I kind of just took Paige in as my mentee as well, for good reasons, of course. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we, we actually dog. started off. Yeah, yeah. Well, it actually started off with us. Um, I needed a tutor and she was really smart and I needed some help. And she was really good at that. Uh, but she started getting kind of mad at me because uh, I wasn't uh, hinting or making any any moves on her. Uh, eventually, I did, luckily. Um, but yeah, we, we ended up <laughs> we ended up dating. We joke um, because she was tutoring me on chemistry. So we joke that we have great chemistry. Our chemistry brought us together. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. yeah. It's, <laughs> I know. We're so cute. I suddenly we're hate, so cute. I suddenly hate <laughs> the both of you. I'll keep Josie and Max, but the, right. the two of you need to go. <laughs> you asked, okay? I'm just telling you. I, I know. I brought this upon myself. You did. You did. Um, but it was at that point that we ended up meeting you, uh, became good friends. Um, but we, we ended up still dating. Paige ended up going to Franciscan for a year um, out in Steubenville, Ohio. We still dated during that time. Uh, that was a really good time for us. That was a really good growing year for both of mm -hmm. us. Um, but when she came back, honestly, I kind of, I joke, but I understand military marriages. And I and I mean that with all, all respect, because when you're separated for an extended period of time, and then you come back together, and you were able to get through that time yeah. apart, uh, you end up being significantly closer. And that's exactly what happened with Paige and I. And so when she came back, um, she came back in May and then in September early on in our because uh, she came back to Doan actually after that one year in Franciscan um, I proposed to her and then the next year next year we got married um, so yeah in the midst of all that yeah you and I yeah that, separ that separation was hard on all three of us I think <laughs> yeah I think so it was it was tough we bonded very well we, did. we commiserated period, <laughs> yes <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, that's a very brief, brief sure. story of, of how Paige and I met. I mean, for me, and I've talked to you, told you this before, told listeners too, that um, Paige really is the one that um, just ignited my my faith. I, I like to explain my faith as kind of a pilot light that's always been there. And then when Paige came into my life, um, she caused the explosion, um, really made it take off. And it was in that year that she went to Franciscan, that is when I really... Um, took the faith in on myself, I really, um, my relationship with God grew a lot and it grew mainly because of our marriage, um, because I, or not our marriage at the time, our relationship, um, it was, it was very 
hard for for both of us and even when she came back too it was really difficult um there were some adjustments for her coming back that yeah. she was working through um that it required a lot of patience on my end but a lot of prayer on my end and uh, like i said my relationship with god really grew during that time but um it was it was her faith and the way that she lived out her faith the way that she carried herself um in in her relationship with god is what attracted me in the first place sure um and it, mm-hmm. it still does that today it's it's beautiful i mean to be able to have that that example um that I, I get to look up to every single day. Um, it's, it's pretty special. Um, it's very humbling too. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, I guess that's my, my vocation story. Sure. Yeah. So Deacon Steve, we talked a little bit about er- earlier about your discernment of marriage and then your discernment to the diaconate. Um, how has been, how has being a deacon kind of, uh, added some growth, I suppose you could say to your marriage has, what's, has there been, has it enhanced your marriage? Has, what's it, uh, uh, what's been kind of it's the graced effect, I suppose you could call it <laughs> mm-hmm. on your marriage. Yeah. Cause I imagine Melissa had to kind of discern this with you cause you're kind of a yeah, team. She, she, she's the, really, she's the gatekeeper. She's the one that had the, the, the final say handwritten letter that says that, uh, you know, she gives permission for this to take oh, place. Great. And, uh, there, there's actual examples of, um, you know, guys going through the formation process and getting to the end and the wife says, no. And oh, then they don't get ordained. That's just the end of it. It's rare. <laughs> That's a, you know, those are by far the exceptions. But uh, no, it's uh, um, it's it's been uh, significant. You know that the thing that it was has been so impressed upon us as we were going through formation is that your number one vocation is your marriage, mm-hmm. and and the the diaconate comes comes second, um, as you know better than I do the you know the demands that a parish is going to put on you and so then you know we're we're drawn to this vocation as far as you know this just kind of natural desire to want to serve you know serve the needs of others and um, you know that's the drive with our ministry and so this idea of um, saying no no to the church is a it's hard yeah and then in the meantime you have to constantly be reminded like okay my number one vocation is my marriage and so there can be these places where, you know, tension um, builds and what have you, um, you know, between Melissa and I, as far as trying to, you know, just the time um, demands that, you know, that take place. Yeah. With and still maintaining essentially a full-time job, you know, in the, you know, in the meantime. Yeah. And so trying to, trying to serve, serve my veterinary, you know, obligations, serve my, uh, you know, St. Patrick's Parish needs and then also uh, take care of Melissa. And so there's a lot of challenge that, you know, that comes with that. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot and, of obstacles that kind of creep up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and through, through all of that, God's grace, Yeah, <laughs> you know, God's, God's grace is coming, coming in. Uh, it has had a, uh, it has had a, um, positive effect on our, on our marriage. Our marriage is definitely, better um through that and it's not i don't it's it's very very difficult to actually separate the role of deacon from husband even even from veterinarian Mm. it's you know for the longest time it was this belief of you know like well which hat am i wearing um 
you know, like, okay, now I'm serving in this role as a deacon, so I'm wearing the deacon hat. Now I'm the veterinarian, so I'm wearing... And it's like, no, the deacon hat's the only hat that you wear. Yeah. I, I only wear my deacon hat. I try. Yeah. To only wear my deacon hat. And, and the man and, underneath the hat is either veterinarian or... <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and in that, um, you know, as servant, you know, just giving myself, you know, yeah. to others... Um, and then my focus is, you know, being on her. But, um, you know, with that comes uh, bringing her in to the ministry, um, her being part of it. There's a, you know, um, she's, a, she's a better Christian because of it. And by being a better Christian, she's a better wife. And um, I'm a better husband. And a better husband serves his wife better. And a better wife um, is you know, serves her husband better. So, I mean, it, they just, they, they just enhance each other is, uh, is, is what I would say. And it's enhancing each other primarily through that dying to yourself. They're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to your homily, <laughs> yeah. um, dying to yourself and that's a battle, but there are graces that, that come through these sacraments. Yeah. So I never really considered the whole full-time job thing, I guess. Uh, because all the permanent deacons that I've really kind of encountered have diocesan work, like they're working at the parish or they're working at the diocesan, the diocesan level in some capacity. Uh, but you've, you've maintained a career as a veterinarian in the midst of all this. It's hard. It's hard to write a homily when you're on call. (laughs) (laughs) You're, you're, you're in the, you're coming home from, you're coming home from work at six o'clock and you're going to, you know, hurry up and grab a bite to eat and then sit down and (laughs) start preparing your homily and the phone rings and you're back down there and you roll back home, you know, in at 1030 at night. And, uh, like, Oh gosh, how am I going to do this? How, how does this work? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I'm sure uh, that kind of gives you a cool thing you can do for like your homilies though. Uh, like if you're out there calving or you have to go out and help some farmer with whatever, or you have someone come into the clinic, that probably gives you some pretty sweet material. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> well, I mean, it, you maybe, know, I, it, I don't know. <laughs> no, that, I mean, that's, I, I think that's the, I think that's the beauty of the of the diaconate is is that it does um you know and it really isn't this way but it's the easiest way to explain it you got one foot in the secular world and you have one foot in the church mm-hmm. and you really don't i mean that's the, the that's not the best right. way to do it but it is the easiest way for people to you know maybe understand it and with that one foot in the secular world you're you're relatable yeah you know, people can mm-hmm. people can relate to you it's like yeah, I get it, guys. I know how much of a struggle it is to try to, you know, raise the kids and save the money and, you know, deal with, the, you know, the struggles that go with, you know, managing your, your household and your business and your kids and try to be a holy and righteous person. Yeah, that's... Which, uh... That's what we're calling. That's what we're all called to. And um, I get it. Yeah, it's... um, Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough being just a good Christian. And now you have to like throw all these other things on top of it and then you become a deacon yeah, which, and you're like, yeah, now which what? is, <laughs> we're all supposed to do this, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but we're all supposed to do this, but the, the deacon, it brings a, a, a unique 
um, education that comes along with it. That's that church, you know, part as far as just understanding, mm-hmm. you know, man's relationship with God and, um, you know, and, and then trying to be the best that you can of being a witness to it and not just a, you know, not just a teacher, but actually a witness to, mm-hmm. to that in the midst of all of that busy, working, messy life. Do you not that a priest doesn't have a busy, messy <laughs> messy life I <laughs> absolutely absolutely yeah you do do you ever do you ever pull the deacon card on your wife you know like I'm the deacon so you need to go do this <laughs> that that tells me all I need to know never mind <laughs> I'm just ontologically better than you so you need to go do this no <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the best no that I've ever heard in my life, I think. Deacon. No. <laughs> You've never been married, have you? <laughs> uh, both married. He, so he I wish. He doesn't get it, Dad. No. He doesn't get it. I wish no. everyone listening could see the, 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 just the FaceTiming we're doing. Because as soon as I asked that question, both married faces just went right into disappointment <laughs> we're like this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about are you kidding me oh my god <laughs> it it offers an opportunity for some very very powerful homilies as far as like <laughs> yeah oh boy guys let me tell you where i've been <laughs> so guess what my good. wife she's not here <laughs> yeah, right now so i can good. talk about this <laughs> <laughs> she's going to a later mass yeah <laughs> Father Hip, oh. you're not going to get this, but let me tell you this. <laughs> the uh, with all this, I think it puts puts me in a really cool and unique spot because I've been able to. Well, I mean, obviously, growing up with Dad before he was a deacon, um, how he said it, he just became obsessed with uh, his faith. That's exactly how I would explain it. Um, he, I just remember um, him becoming obsessed, and that was. That's what we knew kind of deal. Um, the beauty of it, and I think, Dad, you talked about it, is that mom really was the foundation. I mean, she's the reason why we are Catholic. Um, mm-hmm. But I think between the two of you guys were great examples for Audrey and I growing up on on how to be a good husband and wife. Um, but now mm-hmm. I think I got a really cool perspective because I was dating Paige pretty much right when you started Um it was a little bit after I think you started your diaconate program. And so you were going through that and learning all about the diaconate and the training and the education that you were getting, but also watching your marriage transform and shape into what it is now mm-hmm. through your guys' face, how your faith tremendously grew, um, just your knowledge and, and just how much you dove more into it, but also moms too and how much mm-hmm. more trust and faith she had in you, more trust and faith she had in, in the Lord. And gave me a great example um, on how to be a good, you know, you know, husband, boyfriend, husband, spouse to to Paige mm-hmm. kind of deal. So for me, it's been a blessing to be able to watch you go through this process and this transformation, um, and also be going through my own marriage. And um, for I mean, you and I, we've had great conversations about mm-hmm. marriage and and how. How we Joseph series was a Joseph series yeah. we did. I thought was it was powerful. Yeah, as a you I, know, bringing in the Holy Family, you know, that you guys right. as a saints, and you know, right, you know, did that study on Joseph, definitely. So, like I said, for me, it's just been it's been awesome to be able to witness 
your guys's marriage um and, and i can i say the same exact same thing for Paige's parents for Devin randy too because they're they're great examples for Paige mm-hmm. and I. yeah we look yeah, up to, to both of you guys for thank you um how to be how to be good husband and husbands spouses you know husband wives mm. so anyways i it's it's kind of a compliment to you but it's also me just telling you kind of my perspective I, yeah. it's been really cool yeah cool thank you yeah dang break out the tissues guys this is a, <laughs> this is uh yeah it's uh it really is inspiring to see good holy marriages especially good holy like married men um mm-hmm. because that shows me what i'm supposed to do as a priest you know mm-hmm. so whenever i need to know what i need to do with my parish i just look to different married couples yeah you know? mm. so i you know i i, I mean i i I'm curious about your perspective from that standpoint with the, you know, your relationship with your, with your parish is supposed to be a model of, you know, a a father to his, to his spouse. Um, Am I, am I speaking out of turn there? No, uh, no, that's pretty, that's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, the church (laughs) is, uh, the church is the spouse of Christ, right? So, in his stead, I'm kind of taking care of his spouse for him while we're waiting for him to come back. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, yeah. I do, I am kind of wedded to my ministry and uh, wedded to the parish. And so then my parishioners end up being my children, right? Uh, everyone from the young to the old, uh, mm-hmm. all of them call me father, uh, mostly. Some of them call, my, call me by my first name and I... <laughs> I'm like, okay, we have to, we might have to have oh. some conversations, but it's uh, it really is um, so really we're supposed to kind of image each other, right? So I get a lot of I'm I get a lot of inspiration from uh, the married couples, as I said, but I've also had married couples say they get a lot of inform inspiration from my priesthood, mm-hmm. right? Because of oh, just yeah. that that whole sacrificial nature. Of the pri- yeah. A priest, by definition, is one who offers sacrifice. But right. when you look at a marriage, it's like it's all sacrifice all the time, right? I shouldn't mm-hmm. say all sacrifice all the time. That makes it sound like marriage is a drudgery. <laughs> but it's uh, but it's that it's sacrifice in the best way, where you've given yourself over to this other person, yeah. mm-hmm. right? So um, that's kind of so when they see a priest doing that for his parish, it gives them kind of the, the motivation or the image to follow mm-hmm. and then yeah. in in turn them giving each other giving fully of themselves gives us as priests the same motivation it's the same it's the same and it's the same in a marriage you know yeah. between uh you know and between melissa and i is that you know the more i give her to, to her the more she's then motivated to give to me the more she's right you know, gives to me the more I want to, I mean, it's just, you know, you, you, you spiral up, which huh, it's also very easy to spiral down <laughs> as far as you're being yeah. selfish. So I'm going to be spelled selfish. selfish yeah. Oh, yeah. you're being selfish. Well then I'm, you know, you can spiral down, down the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I would assume you can probably feel some of those same kind of relationships oh, with, man. with, with parishioners. Absolutely. Absolutely. To my shame, I have to say that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There have been plenty yeah, of times I, I, where I've just been like, you know what? You're giving me the big old up yours. Well, 
right back at you. <laughs> yeah. You know? Welcome to the human condition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, heck, to heck with the human condition. I want to be divine now. <laughs> yeah. But, well, it's, yeah, so... it's, but someday, someday when divinization happens, uh, I would, uh, you know, as a, as, as a priest, you know, we did, we deal a lot with scripture. Um, some things that I think if we're ever struggling with what marriage needs to look like, perhaps, I suppose you can say that. A couple of mm -hmm. letters of St. Paul come to mind. Uh, so you have Ephesians, mm -hmm. and then you have the book yeah. of Hebrews. So the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews is about the priesthood of Christ. But ultimately, married couples are living their priesthood with their spouse. So yeah. I think reading the letter to the Hebrews, as well as reading the letter to the Ephesians, plus a couple of, like, couple of the other letters as well deal with it as well. But yeah. especially Hebrews and Ephesians, those are huge. Um, yeah, so I, anyone listening, check those books out. And... Definitely. I mean, for me, one of my biggest, uh, not fallbacks, but whenever I feel like I'm in my own, my own way and being selfish, I'm being, uh, prideful, that kind of stuff. I, I turn to Ephesians five, um, yeah. cause that's where it talks all about, you know, um, wife subdued to your husband, but also husband, um, treat your wife as Christ treated the church you know, and sacrifice yourself as Christ sacrificed to the church. It's and funny for me. It's just, yeah, it's just been, it's, it's what I rely on. Cause it's, it's just a good reset for me. It's like, mm -hmm. that's right. That's, that's exactly how I need to behave. Uh, that's how I, I need to respond and is not necessarily how I want to, but it's how I, I need to. And so, um, it's, that's my like go-to. It's my fallback for sure. You know, it's funny that, you know, in, this, in Ephesians 5, when it says, wives, be submissive to your husbands, and then husbands tells them to do those different things, everyone freaks out because it says, be submissive to your husbands. But what's yeah. stupid is that no one gets upset about what's said to the husbands. Because if you look at the letter, <laughs> it gives one thing to the women because they do everything right. else well. Right. And then it's a list of like 30 things for the men that have, it's like half of yeah. that, half of the whole conversation is how is men, men keep screwing things up. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so it's uh it's really pretty incredible that everyone harps on that those like three words, but then no one right. notices the litany that the men and children actually there's a lot that children yeah. have to do. Yeah. Uh, there was marriage. a in, in in formation and it was uh, it was associated with um, a lecture that we had on marriage, but it was uh, we were assigned. A homily from John Chrysostom, mm. Saint John Chrysostom. So this would go back into the you know four hundreds. Yeah, and reading this, reading this homily, this homily was like a twelve or fourteen page homily. Yeah, this they didn't had preach be, short back in the day. Yeah, this had to be at least a, an hour long homily that he. And if if it I'd was get crucified for that. Yeah, if it was a fifteen page if it was a fifteen page homily, the first three pages was and it was exactly on this, Ephesians five. The first three pages was about wives being submissive. And this is and, and he went in and he did a beautiful John Chris of yeah. course he's gonna do a beautiful job and he's uh, explains, you know, what this actually means mm -hmm. and he lays it out very, very well. And then oh my gosh, twelve pages follow after those first three about <laughs> and now boys i'm going to talk to you yeah <laughs> and he just goes on about um basically you know giving of yourself to your yeah. wife like christ is like christ give 
gave himself, you know, you die on that cross for, for that woman and children. And he, exactly to exactly what you were saying. Mm -hmm. um, and it just went on and on and on and on. Yeah. Like, Spends like you know, good, less than good a points out of there, but he yeah. got, he got after the men <laughs> because submission for those listening, submission does not mean let your husband dominate you. That's not the same thing. No. Right. Not so even. submit is this, it's kind of this idea of respect. It's just kind of respecting your husband, letting him be the head. Because if the mm -hmm. husband is the head, the wife is the heart. You need both for the body to function. Um, I think so, of it from a standpoint of trust. Yeah, and then that wife's trust trusting. Standpoint. Yeah, and, and that goes to that, and that goes back again to that Genesis three, and what what the devil did to Eve as far as he put doubt in her mind and like, can you really trust? Can you really trust God? Can you really trust uh, essentially um, Adam? To be yeah. able to take and that she needed to take over that yeah. role and because she didn't trust and so I, I think the root of that loss of submission is is um out it's of loss um, of trust. lack of yeah. trust yeah because it's funny place. the first thing that they do after the sin is start pointing blame at each other oh yeah right. <laughs> yeah 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 the woman made me do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that that snake made me well, do adam it. Be a man. Come on, dude. Yeah. What the heck? You should have just... Yeah. I don't know what... The, I wonder what the, the world would look like if Adam had just accepted the blame. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Never know. Never know. It's. I suppose Different I can't ask what if because... Yeah. Like, yeah. There's no right. point, but... Whatever. Great. Well, is there anything you guys want to add? Um, anything that, uh, that we might be missing? Anything you might think might be worth saying the the, the one the only one thing that i was gonna throw in and this is just you know more of just interesting i don't know yeah, toss it in, man. necessarily appreciate this but um you know when the diaconate um came came back the permanent uh, diaconate came back uh, to the church it was a you know product of vatican ii and one of the big things out of vatican ii had to do with just um celibacy priest right you know celibacy for priests well it also then was celibacy for uh, for deacons and um, one of the things that is a requirement of a permanent deacon is that um, if if the wife precedes the the husband the deacon in death then the deacon is obligated to um, obedience to uh, celibacy right and I don't think that a lot of I'm not for sure that a lot of people understand that and it's just I, th I think it speaks for me you know signing that um you know not not signing it i actually had to write it i had to, I had to write that out yeah like that um you know and then and then sign it it was um this it, it bring it, it brought in so much of what you've you know kind of brought up you know as far as that covenant um mm -hmm. you know and and why you know why would you not be able to do it and there's and there's examples you know they're rare examples where under special circumstances where um a deacon would be able to go ahead and remarry if there was um you know a need as far as uh, the raising of kids or something something like that but the general the ordinary way for it to um, play out is that um the deacon would not remarry mm -hmm. and the you know the big question as far as like why why would it be that way and then to me it's um a very comfortable um so it, it was a very comfortable thing to um sign mm -hmm. as far as like no missy is missy is my wife i have no desire for 
anybody, anybody else other than um, to just completely 100% serve the Lord in my call to my vocations. My yeah. first vocation being to Melissa. Well, then Melissa's no longer there, and um, and it isn't serving Melissa prior to God. It's that, you know, it's by serving God, I serve her better. And if that were to no longer be the case, then I'm serving God by serving others, but not through, but not through marriage. Mm -hmm. The need's just not there. Yeah, that's a, that's a good, th I think that's a great thing to mention, because I don't think a whole lot of people know that. Yeah. You know, but it's, but it's still just as beautiful. Yeah. Well, I th and I think it's the wisdom of the church. Yeah. That, you know, what our culture just, you know, seems like that would make no sense at all. And in the, you know, in the beauty and the wisdom of the church, it's like, no, 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 no. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, uh, as I understand it, sometimes the permanent the permanent deacon is then asked after the death of a spouse to go on to priesthood. Does that sound right? Uh, no, we Lance experienced that there in Torrington, you know, with Father Dan, as far as Father Dan had been a deacon, permanent deacon for quite some time. And his wife did um, mm. die and, um, mm -hmm. and then he went on to the priesthood. Um, I don't think that that's, that that's not unusual to have happen, but there is no, I, I don't think that there's any um, requirement. Requirement. Um, I, I suppose it's going to vary from bishop to bishop sure. to bishop as far as, you know, um, diocese of Cheyenne very much are, you know, going to be a missionary diocese. And so there's a, you know, constant pressure for wanting more yeah. priests. And so I, I could see it just only naturally coming up in conversation from the bishop, yeah. like, hey, uh, you want to consider? <laughs> well, especially, especially in the diocese of Wyoming when we're short on priests anyways. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. It's definitely, yeah. there's definitely probably some pressure that gets put mm -hmm. on. Could be. On that deacon. Could be. Could be. Sure. Okay. Well, my only other thing is um, there's a ton of great resources out there that we're not even going to be able to touch on, but I do want to mention a couple of them. Father Stoya, yes, they are competitors. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just going to sign off now. <laughs> hey, hey. Just look at it this way. If we get our competitors on board, then they're going to start promoting us. and We're just going to grow even more. Oh, so, man. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Now, I have two two other podcasts um, that I'd, I'd recommend. There's a plethora of books out there. I'm not even going to try to start. Um, there's, there's so many great books out there. But two podcasts that I have found helpful, that Paige and I have both found helpful. One is called The Messy Family Project mm. uh, podcast. Um, Mike and Alicia uh, they're they're great. Actually, Paige and I are going to be going on a marriage retreat in Ooh. February with them. Um, also with uh, Chris Stefanik and his wife that I'm drawing a blank on. Sorry, Chris. Um, Mrs. Stefanik. <laughs> yes. But anyways, um, great podcast. They're just, uh, I think they have 10 kids, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, right. plethora of knowledge and just how to live out a great holy, um, holy marriage um, and different tips, tricks, all that kind of stuff. And then the other one is called uh, Holiness for the Working Day, um, and his name is Father Serbi. Um, he has a phenomenal um, marriage series that he did. Uh, it's called Flourishing Marriages and Thriving Families, and I think it's a six-part or seven-part, uh, I'm looking, 
but it is it's phenomenal. I recommend any any marriage um, married couple to go and listen to that and then go and have conversations about it. Um, they talk about some just amazing, amazing stuff on there. And then just other stuff that he has on his homilies um, that's really good. But I highly recommend the, that series that he has, Flourishing Marriages and Thriving Families. Um, sure, and we'll link those in our description as well. Definitely. Another Definitely. one I would add, if you like to read instead of listen to stuff, is Discernment of, Mar- Discernment of Spirits in Marriage. It's an mm-hmm. Ignatian guide to the Discernment of Spirits, but specifically within For um, the realm of marriage. Right. Okay. Sweet. Well, and we'll put those. We'll put that. We'll put that uh, all down, the, all down there. Yeah. yeah. Definitely all down, all down there. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Well, thanks a ton, um, guys. Uh, yeah, you guys can hang on the, hang on the chat, and we can chill out for a little while. But um, how about uh, Lance? How about you lead us out with a prayer so we can let these good folk get back to their daily lives? <laughs> there, there you go. All right. We'll do. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we were able to get to spend with each other uh, to be able to talk about this great sacrament of marriage. Uh, help us to continue to live out our sacramental um, duties as husbands, as fathers, as priests. Um, help us to live these out on our everyday uh, with you at the center, um, striving to um, serve you and seek you in all that we do. Lord, please be in our thoughts, our words, and our actions as we go and proclaim your good news to of the gospel. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank good you very much, there, guys. Deacon Dad. I appreciate yes, uh, you hopping Dad, on. Good work. It's been a pleasure. Oh. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. I was, uh, I was excited about you know the opportunity, and I uh, appreciate your podcast that you've been doing, and to be able to be part of it is uh is an honor yeah it's been great thanks for coming on man (laughs) all right father stoli all right till next time as always as always bye bye